From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Thursday, September 30th. Moab City has started the hiring process for the next city manager. Former city manager Joel Linares publicly announced his resignation on September 7th. In a meeting this week, Mayor Emily Niehaus said she'd like current and future elected officials to weigh in on the next manager. Voters will be choosing a new mayor and two new city council members on November 2nd. The fact that we are so close to um, an election and the question has been, well, will it be the old council and mayor or the new council and mayor? I'd actually like it to be both. We can start to receive applications but not close the position until after the election. City Manager Linares's resignation came shortly after former city attorney Lori Simonson publicly expressed concerns about the management at City Hall. Accusations by former staff about favoritism have dogged the city for weeks. Both Linares and Simonson have left their positions. And Chief of Police Brett Edge is out on temporary leave after Moab City announced they would investigate the police department's response to an August incident involving now-deceased Gabby Petito. These issues have put Moab City in a local and national spotlight. Because of this, City Council Member Kaylin Jones says he doesn't want to rush the city manager hiring process. So given the media focus on the city right now, if an candidates or or applicants are doing their due diligence, which I hope they would do, and they read about the recent changes to staffing and the national focus on our police department, I worry a little bit that that might scare some otherwise viable candidates off. Mayor Niehaus encouraged staff to start a regional recruitment process first, closing what may be the first round of applications after the November 2nd election. She said with this process, they might be able to prioritize internal candidates. Does that make sense what I said, though? Not that I want to rush through it, but having this first round would allow for internal applications. Assistant City Manager Carly Castle is currently acting as manager. When asked by a council member what type of hiring process she would prefer, Castle responded that staff is, quote, happy to accommodate whatever process the council is interested in. Today marks Canada's National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. As the Mountain West News Bureau's Maggie Mullen reports, it's a day meant to acknowledge the impacts that residential schools had on Indigenous people. Both Canada and the U.S. had government programs that took Indigenous children from their homes and forced them into boarding schools. There, they experienced neglect and abuse. Many even died. This is the first time Canada has set aside a day to acknowledge the atrocities. The U.S. government has yet to make the same recognition. In June, however, Interior Secretary Deb Holland announced an investigation as she addressed the National Congress of American Indians. To address the intergenerational impact of Indian boarding schools and to promote spiritual and emotional healing in our communities, we must shed light on the unspoken traumas of the past no matter how hard it will be. Many here are honoring September 30th as National Day of Remembrance for U.S. Indian boarding schools. For the Mountain West News Bureau, I'm Maggie Mullen. 
Imagine turning 18 and finding yourself aged out of the foster care system. You don't have the resources to support yourself and now face homelessness. There's a program in Montrose, Colorado, aimed at helping youth in this situation. As Laura Pomosano reports for Rocky Mountain Community Radio, the program provides affordable housing along with support and guidance. Once a week, the residents of First Place on 2nd Street in Montrose gather in the community room. They share a meal and catch up with each other and with staff from CASA of the 7th Judicial District. Today, one of the residents is making lunch for the group. Um, it's just going to be just a nice blush vodka sauce with bucatini pasta. CASA is an area nonprofit that serves children and families who've experienced abuse and neglect. The nonprofit owns First Place on 2nd Street. It's an eight-unit housing complex for youth ages 18 to 24 who've aged out of the foster care system or are at risk for becoming homeless. Carlton Mason is the executive director of CASA. If a young person turns 18 and they don't have family support, there are not many options. Mason says the complex can house up to 12 young adults at a time. And I'll be honest with you, the, when a young person moves in, the first, often the first 10 to 12 months is very chaotic. It's young people struggling with adulting. But over time, that transitions to where these young people begin to look for jobs and begin to think about the future. He says CASA provides more than just housing for residents of first place. They're also there to help navigate life challenges, such as getting a driver's license, a degree, or a job. We also have expanded into providing mental health services. We have two therapists on staff. Rent at first place is covered by state housing vouchers. Unless a resident works, then 30% of their income goes towards rent. 18-year-old Keegan McCorkle lived in foster care most of his life. He graduated from high school in January and moved into the micro-housing community in March. He says it provides him with an affordable place to live. It's really hard to find anywhere to live that's cheap, especially on minimum wage. For single rooms here in Montrose, it was around maybe $300 to $500 a month just for a room. For apartments, it was $950 up, and here I pay $371 for a whole apartment. McCorkle says living at Casa's facility also feels safe. And here you feel comfortable. It's like a kind of small sense of community. We're all around the same age. It's just easier to get along. First Place on 2nd Street opened in 2018. A mixture of state and local funding paid for it. The Colorado Division of Housing, or DOH, awarded CASA $500,000 toward the project. It was the first such housing project for youth ages 18 to 24, aging out of foster care or facing homelessness in the state. Zach Schaefner is a supportive housing services manager with DOH. So we've learned a great deal from First Place on 2nd Street. The focus on elements like harm reduction and trauma-informed care and really providing those low barriers and flexible supports. We've really seen the success of that intervention and that approach at First Place on 2nd Street. Schaefner says DOH also learned important design elements for future developments. First Place on 2nd Street is a mix of four one-bedroom units and four two-bedroom units. He says the two-bedroom units were intended for siblings or young couples with a child, but there was a greater need for single individuals. Really, to the extent possible, we look for single and one-bedroom units. We've seen that that can be effective, that can reduce some of those interpersonal conflicts that can occur with roommate situations. When we're working with a population that has some complex histories of trauma and 
He says supportive housing, like First Place on 2nd Street, is an effective way to serve the needs of young adults experiencing homelessness or exiting the foster care system. The Colorado Division of Housing has funded similar projects in Boulder, Broomfield, Delta, and Grand Junction. And Schaffner says DOH is working to bring more supportive housing to the state. The project in Delta is the latest effort from CASA. It's under construction now and scheduled to open in December. It will house six youth and one-bedroom suites. Carlton Mason says CASA is expanding because there's a need. The cost of living is just too high for a young person to kind of transition from nothing to all of a sudden having the income to sustain a place to live. On average, more than 200 young people age out of the foster care system every year in Colorado. National data shows about 20% of these youth find themselves homeless when they turn 18. Mason says CASA can't house every young adult seeking its services. It just doesn't have the resources. But the difference they make is one small part of solving the affordable housing crisis. Reporting from Montrose, I'm Laura Palmisano. This story is part of a Rocky Mountain Community Radio reporting collaboration on affordable housing funded by the Solutions Journalism Network. And that's the KZMU News for Thursday, September 30th. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.